أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله. Good morning, everyone. I'm Naomi Gross, and before I start off, <laughs> I thought I'd teach you two greetings um, to say to people as we passed and interacted with them. The first one is Salam alaikum. And the response is Malaykum Salam. Uh, this is a pan-Muslim greeting, and it means peace be upon you. And the response is, and with you. So if I say Salam Alaykum, <laughs> great. Um, all right. So the second greeting is um, in Wolof. The question is Nangadef, and the response is Mangi Firek. So if I say Nangadef. All right, greetings are very important in Senegalese culture and a lesson we learned on the first day. Uh, greetings open the conversation, provide connection and hospitality. Welcome to this chapel. We are the Senegalese 2014 SST group. I'd like to start this convo with a brief history on Senegal. Senegal is the westernmost country in Africa and its capital is Dakar. There are approximately 13 million people living there. Senegal was colonized by the French quite late in the 1850s before this, um, French was only partially involved in Senegal, mainly on the western coast. Uh, the French focused mostly on the slave trade before colonization, and there's an island off the coast of Senegal that is said to be a port for the transatlantic slave trade. Colonization was hard for Senegal as the French imposed cash crops that radically changed the soil, leaving, poor and leaving it poor and unfertile. Colonization also gave way for Islam to spread as a form of opposition to the westernization and Christianization. Because of this, Islam is the main religion practiced by approximately 94% of the people. The Islam practiced in Senegal is Sufism, a mystical form of Islam. This type of Islam has, its, has the ability to incorporate aspects of other religions within it, allowing many practices and ideas from the traditional spirituality to become a part of the Islam. Senegalese Islam is split into different brotherhoods which each people belong to. Along with Islam, there are a small minority of Catholics, Protestants, and animists, which is the traditional spirituality. Senegal gained independence in 1960, proclaiming their first president as Leopold Sédar Senghor. Senghor was a poet and philosopher that studied in France before making the transition into politics. This transition to independence was very smooth for Senegal, and in general politics, Senegal has been relatively peaceful. When we were there, we witnessed the election process, which was rather different than ours, full of dancing and singing. 
It was great fun. <laughs> Language in Senegal is very diverse and it is representative of different ethnic groups across Senegal. While French is the national language, a small minority speak it regularly. Rather, the most common language is Wolof, um, which we all had the opportunity to learn. Wolof is spoken by the Wolof people and also uh, as a trade language. Some other languages in include Serer, Pular, and Jola, um, though there are many more. Many of us had the opportunity to learn a bit of these other languages depending on the ethnicity of our family. So that was a brief history. Um, so I could give you some context, and now we'll move on to Karsten, who will tell you a little bit about study. Good morning, uh, my name's Karsten Hess, and so we, for the first what, six weeks, uh, we're in the city of Chess, which is about an hour inside from the co inland from the coast. Uh, so the first night we landed in Dakar and then got immediately on this, um, I don't know, what did we call it? The, the, the mystery machine. Um, it looked a lot like the Scooby-Doo van. Um, and we drove about an hour to Chess and then got dispersed to our, uh, well, no, we, we started out at the school stayed the night in the school where we then studied Wolof, French, and the history and culture of Senegal. And then we were afterwards dispersed to our families. Uh, so then, as I said, we, every day we started by um, learning some French and then Wolof, and then in the afternoons we had some lesson about uh, the history of the culture. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, we took field trips uh, to various parts of the country, either to where people would end up doing service or um, just to places that we could learn a lot about the country. So one of those was um, we took a trip at, out to Dakar and we uh, listened to a professor actually talk about uh, the some of the uh, history of slave trade in Senegal and how that connected to his research on Gore Island where um, there's a lot of tourist traffic uh, related to the slave trade. Um, so going back a few steps we were our leaders were David and David David Lind and Kendra Yoder and they worked together with Christine and David Yannon uh, who were our <clears throat> who were the two people living in Senegal that worked and helped organize all the thing, great things that we did. And David and Kendra, being sociologists, really emphasized storytelling. And so our time on study and then transitioning into service was really emphasized, really emphasized storytelling. So that was then through our journals that we wrote as well as during the times that we sat together and just told each other stories about what was going on, to um, be there for each other and to um, support each other's experiences. And so that sort of transitions to the next portion of this, which will be sharing with you some of the stories that we experienced. Um, but first, we'll start with a short video. Looks like we're having some difficulty with that, so maybe we'll come back to it if we can later. 
So let's see how well you remember this. Salam alaikum. Well done, good job. Uh, my name is Grace Weaver. I'm a junior English major and art minor. Uh, the story that I'd like to share with you this morning is from a journal entry that I wrote during study term um, in chess. I wanted to capture every sight and sound and emotion of my home, and this was the result of that. I know that words are not an adequate way of bringing a place or a moment to life, but hopefully I can communicate at least a fraction of the beauty I found in Senegal. My home in Chess is on a sandy road perpendicular to one of the two main paved roads in our quarter. As I walk back from school, there's no way to avoid getting sand in my shoes, so I don't even try, and instead enjoy the feeling of warmth and earth on my feet. To enter the house, I knock hard seven times on the blue metal gates and wait for one of my sisters to yell, Kokanla, who's there? I shout back, Manla, Gras, and Evelyn, Charlotte, or Helena slide back the rusty bolt to let me in. Inside the door is a tiny open space with a huge mango tree nearly dripping with red-green fruit. When I enter the house, there is a small parlor with a matching couch and chair set, a box television, and curtains hanging over the door to keep the cool in and the animals out. This is Papa's domain when he is home. I enter, shake his hand, and exchange the daily greetings. Then I'm dismissed from the parlor to do whatever I please. The courtyard is shady and beautiful, with another mango tree breaking through the concrete to bear its fruit. This is the place for women's work. Buckets and tubs hold laundry and dishes, as well as laughter, dancing, stories, and weariness. This is where I sit to study. It feels good to be together while we work. This half of the house has the good bathroom, and I feel spoiled because they have a toilet seat that they got just for me. This section also has the squat orange plastic table and chairs that invite community and overeating, despite the difficulty of accommodating seven female bodies and wide hips. Exiting the courtyard, I pass by the spigot, which is the only running water in the house. Carrying buckets of water makes me appreciate my sister's strength. Now I am in another courtyard with another tree, this time lime, another set of buckets, and at least five clotheslines. Here I must watch my step. Fallen limes can be dangerous to step on, but mostly I don't want to step on the chickens. The baby chick is bullied by the rooster, and I sympathize because I am too. I have a healthy respect for the rooster's space, and I leave when he ruffles his feathers too many times at me or glares at me too long. It's okay, he's lived here longer than me. This second courtyard is also the home of a large tank of tiny fish, our cat Milo, when he feels like gracing us with his presence, and who or whatever else decides to visit. The dog Oriole has the run of the house and stares at me with her big, quiet eyes and licks my hand until I scratch her head. I say, Oriole, sit. The dog speaks English. She plops down and is my companion until I decide to move. The second half of the house is the living space for the young people. To be honest, I'm not sure where Mama, Papa, and Grandma sleep because their space is private. But over here, everything is fair game. In the central living room, there are two single beds, a computer loaded with Tom and Jerry videos, a nightstand, and the much-coveted mirror. This is where Charlotte and Elena sleep. During the, during the day, the entire room is taken over by baby clothes, baby blankets, baby bottles, baby toys, and babies. The five-month-old twins, Jean and Ava, like to eat, sleep, giggle, and listen to music. It seems like a good life to me. This is the gathering place of the women for visiting, cuddling babies, telling stories, braiding hair, and dancing. This is where I learn to listen in French, learn about childcare in Senegal, and learn that Elena is not always as shy as she pretends to be. Adjacent to the living room are two bedrooms, one for the missionary woman who lives here too, and one that I share with Evelyn. 
Our room is a sunny yellow with hand-drawn pictures of butterflies and flowers on the wall, courtesy of Lottie, our resident artist. We have two beds, a stand, and a chair, which seems like overkill. Here is my home. At night, Evelyn and I lay in bed, I tucked in, tucked in like a child under my mosquito net, and ask each other questions. It seems rather unbalanced. I ask, Evelyn, what is the French word for? And she asks, Grace, what do you do in the United States? But it works for us. Listening to the singing from the mosque behind my house, the chickens clucking, people laughing, the goat crying across the street, and the mosquitoes buzzing, I finally fall asleep secure in the knowledge that I am loved. Thanks. Um, so next for our story, we're gonna have Nick come up and tell us a story from his study experience. First, we're gonna see the video. Yeah, yeah. 
Assalamualaikum. My name is Nick Schwartz. Um, I have a story that took place during our service portion. Um, so, like Karsana explained, um, we have an afternoon session where we get like a lecture on history and uh, culture and stuff like that. So, um, this takes place as I was walking, well, after I was walking home from our afternoon service. So, I was going home for the evening. And so, I'm walking down the road, the very sandy road, as, as Grace had said, um, to my house, and I see my really tall, about that big, um, 10 year old brother sitting on the porch putting his shoes on all by himself. And I was just like looking around, okay, no one was there, was, whatever. So I greeted him, he greeted me back, he put his shoes on and then just took off down the street. I said, okay. So I walked inside um, and uh, both my host mother and father weren't there and the only person in the house was the, the cleaning maid that comes in during the days because both my, um, both my host mom and dad work during the day and so she just kind of takes care of the house and watches, um, watches the sun. Um, and so, uh, since no one was there, no one was really interacting with me, um, I decided, okay, I can get some work done now, because I have a lot of reading to catch up on, I have some journals to write, so I go ahead and I plop down on the dining room table, because the dining room is the coolest place in the house, because when it's 95 degrees with 80% humidity, you really need airflow. Um, and so the front door and the back door were open, which both connected to the dining room, so that was a really cool place to work. Um, and so the, the dining room table was uh, like a plastic picnic table and the chairs were plastic long chairs. Anyway, they were pretty comfortable. So I was just sitting down and I just started working and reading away and the time just kept on ticking by until it was, I don't know, about eight o'clock at night and none of, neither of my parents had come home yet. And so I was just starting to get a little worried. I was like, okay, so how long do I wait before I call my leaders and be like, hey, I'm alone in the house and nobody's here. Um, and so I decided to give it, you know, maybe like another hour before freaking out about anything. And within that time, my host mom came home, so everything was okay. Only problem was that she was wondering where my host brother was. And I said, oh, I don't know, he left. <laughs> and um, she didn't seem too worried about it, so I wasn't too worried about it. So she left to go find him. Turns out he went to his grandma's house, which is about 15 minutes on the other side of the city. Um, whatever. So she finally comes back. It's like nine o'clock and she starts making dinner, um, which is kind of common to eat at 10 at night. Um, yeah. And so I'm just still in my same spot, just working and reading away as that all is happening. My host dad finally comes home. My little brother comes home. And so we, we pull the dining room table out. It was normally against the wall. We pull it out. We all sit down. Um, and she brings out this really delicious meal. It was this perfectly fried fish on top of a bed of really spicy and crunchy rice with some lettuce and tomato drizzled with this really um, deliciously spiced oil. So it was just a really, really good meal. I ate a lot that night. And, um, and so we were just all eating. I was just listening to them talk, not having a clue what they were saying because they spoke so fast to each other. Um, and so it was a really nice time. We all finished eating. We were all just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, wham! I am staring straight at the ceiling, not knowing what's happening. And I just 
take a second to look around and I realize that the back two legs of my chair have literally exploded off of the chair and I am lying on my back, like right next to the dinner table. Completely embarrassed because, oh my gosh, I've broken one of three lawn chairs that they, that they have in their house. So I get up and I just, my natural reaction whenever I do something extremely embarrassing and is to apologize a lot and start laughing. Um, <laughs> You know, just try to play it down a little bit. And so I'm trying to apologize to them, except the moment that I hit the floor, they just shot up like rockets. And they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? Did you, did you hurt anything? Like, and so I was trying to apologize to them for breaking their chair, and they, they wouldn't let me apologize to them. They said, no, 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 we're sorry, we're sorry. We gave you a bad chair. And they say, they say, no, 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 it's not your fault. No, no, it's our fault. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. And so they, they dragged me over to the other two lawn chairs that they were sitting on. They, they, they like pointed to the back legs and they said, see, see the, the plastic's already bending. These are going to break too. So don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> and so it's just, um, it was so nice to have like such hospitality when like I clearly broke their chair. I mean, I was sitting in it for like five solid hours. <laughs> Um, and yeah, um, but they, but they wouldn't like the entire time that was happening, they never cracked a smile. They never laughed. And I, I mean, it was really a great experience to, to feel that hospitality. So next up we have Ben. Salam alaikum. Nanga Def? Magi Firek. It's okay. It took me like the first two weeks to learn it too. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the religious atmosphere in Senegal. Naomi mentioned at the beginning that Senegal is 90 to 95% Muslim, depending on who you ask. And growing up in Goshen, Indiana, I really had no exposure to the religion of Islam before this trip. Um, so I, I didn't know quite what I was getting into, but that was okay. I was excited to, uh, to see how Islam was lived out in Senegal. And I think one of the most powerful times of that uh, actually took place at Alex's house. Um, I would visit her family every once in a while, and her grandmother, Madame Dour, uh, is one of the most incredible people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Um, she was the matriarch of the family. She had lived through colonialism and through independence and had just seen so much in the progress of Senegal throughout the years. Um, she was an educator, and so she was very plugged into you know, what was happening with the youth and how the country had developed as far as education, which is what I ended up doing my project on. So she was a great person to talk to. Um, but probably one of the most distinct memories I have of her is we were all sitting in kind of this front living room in Alex's house and uh, where Madame Dour would normally kind of sit there on this futon with her TV on one side and a wide array of guests that she was always chatting with and then she'd make some passing remark about what happened on the TV and then go back to chatting with all the guests. Um, and the nightly news was on and they had a story about uh, Boko Haram kidnapping the 200 schoolgirls in Nigeria. And Madame Dour was furious. She was disgusted at the TV, and I don't even remember what all she said because it was half in Wolof and half in French, and she was speaking very, very quickly. 
But the one part I do remember is she paused and looked at me and picked up the copy of the Quran that she kept by her bed and said, they cannot be reading the same book I'm reading. They cannot be reading the same book I'm reading. That was an incredibly powerful moment and one I will never forget. Thank you. And next we'll have Dominique reading us a poem. Just kidding. Uh, so is that Jake next? All right, we're gonna, Jake's gonna teach us a song. Hi, my name is Jake Smucker. <clears throat> I study music here, so I'm going to teach you all a song that um, is kind of representative of my time on service. Um, and these people kind of know it, so I'll be reteaching it to them as well. Um, it's in Arabic and it's really simple, don't worry. Uh, the words are la ila ila la, that means there is no God like our God. So repeat after me la ila ila la, la ila ila la. Right, that's the whole first half, you're good. And um, the second half of this song is. Mam Shebrafal, it's a contraction of Mam Shek Ebrafal, he's an important religious figure um, in, in the Bifal spirituality. So, Mam Shebrafal, Mam Shebrafal. Cool, awesome. So, now I'm going to sing the first phrase twice, and then I'll motion to you, and you can sing it back if you feel like it. <laughs> okay. La ila ila la la ila ila la. That's the whole. That's the whole first half. So I'll sing it again. La ila ila la la ila ila la. You ready to try? Let's try. Ready? La ila ila la la ila ila la. Great. Okay, and the second half um, goes like this. Mom, chebra fall, mom, chebra fall, la ila ila la. I'll sing it again. Mom, chebra fall, mom, chebra fall, la ila ila la. Cool, now it's your turn. Mom, chebra fall, mom, chebra fall, la ila ila la. Okay, so now we're gonna put them together. And um, in Bifal songs, they usually have a leader who sings a little ditty and then everybody responds. So I'll sing the ditty and then I'll motion to you and you'll respond. La ila ila la la ila ila la la ila la ila ila la la ila ila la la ila mom chebra fall mom chebra fall mom chebra fall la ila mom chebra fall Mom, chebra fall, mom, chebra fall, la ila ila la. That's the whole song. And they would like repeat that for an hour, maybe. <laughs> they would, really, they would sing for, for a really long time. So that's just a small taste of what the music was like for me on service. Oh, and let's see. Next we have uh, Theo and Ali with a story. Hi, uh, good morning. Salam alaikum, everybody. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Ali and I went on service together and we went to the northern coastal city of San Luis, which is the equivalent of St. Louis here. Um, 
Okay, so Saint Louis used to be the capital of Senegal before independence. And um, it has a lot of beautiful architecture from colonial times and um, like it's, it's pretty similar to like the Caribbean and that kind of, like the architecture you would see there from Spanish. Yeah, it was really, really beautiful and we were very lucky to be there. Um, Theo was in Hariela, which means city waiting on God, and I was in, where was I? The actual city. I was actually, I'm in the actual city. Yeah, I to commute, <laughs> um, we worked in the same center, even though Allie worked with um, women more, I don't know what, like she worked with women and did that stuff. I worked in a clinic, but we worked in the same sort of center. I had to commute to work every day for about half an hour mm -hmm. driving and uh, Allie just walked because it was close enough to her. I, yeah, I got lost many times though <laughs> because we never took a straight path there so it got really confusing and every time that someone would take me, they would take me through a different route because they believed that it was the fastest. <laughs> okay, so uh, one time Allie came to visit me because she didn't believe that like uh, the living conditions I was describing like, was actually where I lived. Um, my family was great. They were really caring, really loving. They were really great people, even though they weren't, they weren't very rich. That's, uh, they were definitely near the bottom, and that's like something I've never really experienced, and um, it was interesting, yeah. So I was telling Allie how every morning I would have to get up and then go walk for about a kilometer and a half, which is like what? Almost a mile yeah, or something. Yeah, um, And um, I had uh, this big 20-liter jug <laughs> that I had to fill up with water, uh, put on my shoulder, and just carry through the um, sand, because there wasn't really a road. Because uh, my village was um, this three-year-old village, so they didn't have really plumbing or anything, and um, so we didn't have running water in my house. And um, Allie came over for lunch one day, and uh, my mom decided to Senegalize her <laughs> and uh, bring her out and have her carry some water too. Yeah. And, uh, it took very good. much convincing. His father was like, no, no, you cannot. You are a guest here. I will not allow you to bring water to this house. And, but his mom was very accepting of me attempting to do this task that Theo had done multiple times. And uh, actually, like when I first started out doing it, I took this jug and uh, I did what everybody else was doing. Like all the women, they wanted to get water, took it, put it up on their heads and just, you know, walked back. So I did the same thing. <laughs> I picked it up, put it in my head, which, and it's actually much easier, even though it hurts your neck. But uh, one time my brother came with me and um, so like I filled up my jug, put it on top of my head, started walking away and he just stood there. He was, he was like, no, 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 you can't do that. Men put it on the shoulder and walk. So, I think I embarrassed him because it was pretty bad. Um, I would like to say that too, here's a little secret, I always thought that they just literally picked up a bucket and then put it on their head. Well, in fact, they take a little cloth and they roll it up into a little circle and then they put it on their head to help balance out the jug of water that they're carrying. And my first instinct was to grab the bucket and put it on my head without the little circle thing that helped them. And everyone was like, no, no, we, that's too much. You should have this little circle thing. And they taught it over and over to me, but I could not get how to make this perfect little circle. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, it was good. Uh, you guys should definitely go to Senegal because it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I guess going on with that story, uh, the most fascinating part was when we actually tried to carry these buckets of water back to our house. Um, <laughs> Theo was like, Ali, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. And <laughs> so did a lot of other people. Um, these buckets were huge. They were filled to the brim with water. And uh, <laughs> Theo had to help me a couple of times carrying it. But in the end, we, we made it home with those buckets of water that we later used. I actually had to go get water for um, when I wanted to do my laundry. And I, um, so the SST is divided into like six weeks and six weeks. And for the second six weeks, I didn't really, I felt really bad about my family doing my laundry because they always insisted. They were like, dude, let, come on, like, give us your clothes. We'll wash your laundry. It's fine. And I always felt bad because I wanted to do it myself. You know, I don't want somebody working for me. And uh, I kind of ended up going about five weeks without doing laundry. <laughs> because I didn't want to carry But I showered every day <laughs> with two liters of water. I got it down to a technique for it, like, brush my teeth and everything. Yeah. It was, yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now we have a song PowerPoint, led by Paul. <laughs> okay, cool. Good morning. Uh, I'll teach you another greeting. Baldo, uh, say our greeting. So you would say, Bede Jam. So, Baldo. Jam Okay. Okay. Um, cool. So, yeah, we're going to sing a little song for you. Um, I'm sure you all know the melody, God is So Good. And if you don't, then it'll be easy to learn. So, we're going to start it first singing in Wolof. And the words for that is Yala Bachna. So, Yala Bachna. Mm -hmm. And then Bachna Lol Chiman. Okay. And then I believe we have a verse in French as well. And that is uh, Mon Dieu est bon. And Dieu est bon pour moi. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, here's how it goes. Ya la bachna Ya la bachna So that's the end of what we have for you today. So thank you for coming and listening to our stories. If you have any questions, we'd be glad to talk to you about it.
Um, and on the way out, we have a song for you to listen to that we heard a lot in Senegal. So enjoy that. Thanks.